of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. The Oscar race checkpoints keep on coming through as the news keeps lining up for all these major film festivals. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host, also Mike. Yeah, we just got news on the New York Film Festival. I just got my tickets. Uh, We got a ton of stuff to cover on the Toronto International Film Festival. A bit of a catch-up episode there, a little segment. You don't really have uh, mustard episodes around here, though. That's... (laughs) wow this is where we're going today folks uh condiment jokes right off the top rope (laughs) running into this didn't you watch SummerSlam? didn't they like have a tractor oh yeah oh look you hopped up with it anyway I just I just remember like wrestlers running in without the music, running in and going and diving into the the diving into this uh, uh what do they call that a ring? Yeah. Right? Yeah. They dive into the ring yeah. and you just did that slip and slide style <laughs> on a ketchup and mustard joke. Thank you. I'll be here all episode, folks. <laughs> Tip your waiters. What the hell were we talking about? <laughs> you were trying to set the stage like a professional about what's to come in this episode. And I BAFTA trampled news, on yeah. you. Yeah. Trailers. We got, we got TIFF here. news. We got BAFTA news. We got trailers. We got a box office update. We do have a loaded episode. There's no time for dad jokes, and yet... We're going to figure out a way to work those in, no doubt, as, you, as you've seen already. I will relish this opportunity. Hey, now, <laughs> salt and pepper. Uh, let's <laughs> let's start. This is the type of episode you're getting, dear listener. Let's start. Awful. Let's talk about the New York Film Festival. That's the latest news that just kind of broke. Uh, we don't have much about the news, but we do have some films that will be debuting, Mike. Yeah, White Noise is going to open the festival. Shocking. Isn't that the most shocking yeah. news ever? Right. I just, uh, I just figured. I figured because Netflix has been in one of the spots every. We year. don't even have this confirmed. We're just projecting and knowing it's a Noah Baumbach movie. We're saying it's yeah. going to open New York. He was he closed New York a couple years ago. At Marriage Story. We know they like to pick New Yorky filmmakers. We, they've done this many a time uh, throughout their history. But they've, you know, they've also picked some really awesome films for the opening nighter. We had The Irishman, Tragedy of Macbeth, The Favorite, some recents there. Uh, we had Captain Phillips and Gone Girl. You can go back all the way to the Social Network, and it's cool. You know, the the FilmLink dot org uh, website there. They listed the entire. Uh, slate of opening night films on the press release so that's it it is a rich history and they've done great in terms of the new york film festival and programming a lot of best picture nominees and winners and and oscar winners power of the dog was the centerpiece last year uh we had roma the centerpiece a couple years ago Mm -hmm. so yeah again netflix this makes sense and uh, marquee filmmakers again all the sense in the world it makes sense too because i'm pretty sure marriage story played uh, New York, and then it played TIFF, and it went around the uh, the film festival circuit a couple years ago when it had its road to all those Oscar nominations that it landed and eventual the uh, the Oscar win for Laura Dern there. So, from uh, for a movie about a curmudgeony potential character, let's mm. just say, uh, where the he's got the widow's peak working, <laughs> it's a big hairspray induced hairdo from Greta Gerwig there. 
So I don't know what kind of movie we're getting. A 1980s Hitler historian is what Adam <laughs> Driver plays. It could be I, Tanya, yeah. and it could not be I, Tanya. <laughs> Those but are the white... only two options. <laughs> white noise. As all films are, of course. <laughs> it's going to open Venice and New York now. So it's getting a huge rollout for this season. Otherwise, we know that Till, we'll, we'll review the trailer for Till at the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. We know that Till is going for sure. That was announced to be an opening weekend kind of thing, even though it's kind of opening in theaters uh, in the vicinity of that uh, New York Film Festival premiere. Otherwise, Ann Thompson has has uh, mentioned that she said is likely headed there as well on Screen Talk. Otherwise, I'm 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 expecting a lot of Cannes movies, Michael. L- yeah. Last year when I went to the festival, it was like I was going to the Cannes New York installment. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm 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 really pumped. I hope uh, uh, I hope to be at PJ Clark's in between every screening. Bring your stopwatch. We'll report on the standing ovations, no mm-hmm. doubt, as uh, we did last year. We go from New York to a little for- further north, and we will talk about TIFF, the Toronto International Film Festival. So we have a bunch of news. Toronto hasn't announced their entire slate yet, but uh, mm-hmm. we do have quite the list of movies that we're going to get to, and we can start by listing off the films that will play both in Venice, which we covered last ORC episode, and will also be playing at TIFF. Yeah, The Sun from Sony, The Banshees of Inna Sharon from Searchlight, The Eternal Daughter from A24, No Bears, Jafar Panahi, and The Whale also from A24. We're going to mention kind of these slates by studio eventually. We're starting to group them together. We're starting to want to talk about them uh, in, in, in one sentence, or at least uh, in terms of how these studios are going to yeah. you know, start to posture. But, I mean, like I said, a lot of Cannes Film Festival movies that will now be, you know, completing their circuits elsewhere, Michael. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how the festival circuit does shape those, which of those films are going to turn into Oscars, uh, potential Oscars contenders. If you want to know more about the premises or the actors or things, uh, any one involved with those that list of films that are playing both Venice and TIFF we had went in depth on each of those films in our last ORC episode as we will with a bunch of different films in this episode we also and have we did this uh, with our can episode yeah, so this list this here. is this is uh, this is kind of what we do with these ORCs and shaping the festival circuit and the festival road getting ready for the, what we call the Oscar sprint uh, we also have one more list regarding can selections coming to TIFF we have Hunt, which is the rectorial debut of Lee Jung Jae, the name from Squid Games, of course. Broker, which we've talked about and previewed many times here on MMO. That's starring the Cannes Best Actor winner Song Kang Ho. We know him from Parasite, probably most relevantly, most recently. And uh, that's also from writer-director Hirokazu Kurita, who did Shoplifters a couple years ago. Did you call it Squid's Game again? I might you have. You did. Yeah, I might the, have. The, the Stars War. It's the Squid's Game. It's the, the game <laughs> with ink. We have Corsage, which won some uh, won some awards at Cannes as well. Vicky Creeps. We have Decision to Leave, which was the Cannes Best Director winner from Park Chan Wook. I'm really hoping this one's going to New York for sure. Yeah, that might be enough to drag me to New York. Actually, if that do uh, it, I'm very I'm very curious to see that movie. I know where to go. I know where to go eat. <laughs> Mike, does PJ Clark's actually exist, or have you just been sitting on this street corner the whole time eating a bow? With Guinness? Pounding Guinness? <laughs> you know, you drink enough of these, and PJ Clark's materializes. Uh, Holy Spider will also be playing both festivals. That's starring the can Best Actress winner, Zara Mir Ibrahimi. It's from director Ali Abbasi, who did Border a couple years ago. One Fine Morning as well. That stars Leah Seydoux. It's from writer-director Mia Hansen-Love. 
And Triangle of Sadness, what we call every guest episode on Mike Mike Olman. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> joke. That's from Andrew Morgan. That was a good joke. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize. Here's the here's the horrible thing. This is why I'm a bad person. <laughs> I didn't even realize I was plagiarizing him there. There you go. But Our apologies trying... to Andrew then. <laughs> You're always my lawyer on plagiarized jokes. So Allegedly. I thank you. What am you I have no do? evidence. <laughs> I appreciate that. Triangle of Sadness, Palm Dior winner, starring Woody Harrelson, and from writer-director Ruben Ostland of The Square. Finally, we have Moonage Daydream, which just got a trailer. This is the A24 David Bowie documentary, and it's got a theatrical release September 16th. Director Brett Morgan of the Emmy-winning Jane, which should have won an Oscar as well, in my opinion, and HBO's montage of Heck about Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love. He's also been Oscar-nominated in Doc Feature for On the Ropes in 1999. A wild trailer... Really cool music, obviously. David Bowie's uh, one of my uh, one of you know, the favorite artists of my niece Sage. By the way, my brother keeps really? playing his vinyls of okay. David Bowie. She likes David Bowie, and apparently she was bopping along to Prince. So that's my uncle report. Even that's though I'm good. not doing I, anything important yet, we have but. to get her out of her father's hands when it comes to music, though, because I can't <laughs> have that kid growing. Like Bowie, Bowie and Prince are great. Those are great starts. I don't need you know, her growing up to like. Liking wrench against the side of a garage wall, which is some of the bands <laughs> what, he likes. What did uh, Bill Hader just say on Coded? He's like, "Oh yeah, I just love that band, Squirrel Nut Zippers." Right, <laughs> Squirrel Nut Zippers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need that <laughs> infecting her. You know, my surrogate niece over there. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, but that's good. That's a good start. I I said to you in the pre-production of as far as this trailer goes okay it's a great i think it's a really good trailer it's an interesting documentary and it seems to get a lot into the the life of david bowie but a lot of concert footage and a lot of his performances it's a lot of historical it looks a lot of archival footage so to me based on how the doc feature branch has treated these types of documentaries in the past few years i don't think this is an oscar documentary (laughs) based on what i've seen yeah they're putting it out in the middle of september when documentaries can flourish and have some legs and yeah it's probably not going to get any uh any oscar love but i will say i think there's a sweet spot for music documentaries in this documentary feature branch they remember they have a soul especially like i mean we just saw it last year summer of soul for christ's sake but amy i mean etc etc yeah, et yeah. of late uh what was the here we go uh 20 feet from stardom 20 feet from stardom. Thank you. You like that? That's how much we've come to know each other at this point. (laughs) You You said no descriptive words. (laughs) What was that movie from the guy who did the thing? It was musical. Musical. And yeah, you had it perfectly. But yes, so Moonage Daydream, good trailer. I can't wait to see it. A24 has got a couple mentions already today. Otherwise, uh, we got a Sundance list of one. This was the Grand Jury Prize winner, Nanny, from Nikiatu Jusu. Excuse me if I'm mispronouncing, but she did a tremendous job with Nanny. I reviewed it in our Sundance episode back when. I remember. I'm, I'm pausing because I remember reviewing it, and I don't horror I didn't, movie. I didn't see that line in the in the doc, so I'm trying to remember if I can recall it. It's a horror movie. I don't remember it then. I remember horror the name. Movie, really Nanny. creepy. Yeah. yeah. No Fran Drescher in that movie though, right? Fran Drescher is not in the movie. Okay. No. Right. Michelle Monaghan. I see. Kind of Fran Drescher adjacent. Yeah. She was there. That's how she became the nanny. Uh, we have a big premiere that's unique to TIFF and from a big name, and it's a big movie, and it's not necessarily a guy who does the film festival circuit all that often. 
The Fablemans announced last week, kind of early in the week, Steven Spielberg, not a big film festival guy. I think he's gotten too big for him, maybe, Mike. I mean, he hasn't had to use them in a long time, but he's been, you know, the bridesmaid, never the bride lately. He's been nominated a whole bunch, Mm. but maybe now he'll win this Grosch Audience Award with the Fablemans or he'll get Michelle Williams or Seth Rogen or Paul Dano or the the kid playing baby Spielberg there. In Arizona, and it'll be a launch pad for one of his actors or for something in his film. I mean, this is set to premiere November 23rd in theaters, and it's cool that he's getting a September rollout at TIFF. I'll believe Michelle Williams isn't the Oscar frontrunner when I see it. Yeah, and mm. like knowing nothing about the Fablemans other than what you just described in the cast and the fact that it's playing Tiff, just her knowing her in that role, Spielberg behind the camera, the one guiding her there, I, I can't. I refuse to believe she's anything other than the Oscars favorite right now, but that's something that we will save for a near future episode. No doubt. Hopefully we'll have one of our gambling buddies alongside us to discuss that. But yeah, it's Spielberg not known necessarily lately for having to play the festival circuit. This is obviously not the regular Spielbergian blockbuster though. So I think it kind of makes sense that he's doing this. What if Michelle Williams is just doing an impersonation of the mom from the Goonies of the, you know, the two older (laughs) Ah! <laughs> the whole time. Here's your Oscar. Here you are, just glowingly. I, I will be shocked if Michelle yeah, Williams yeah. doesn't I, win. Well, I'm the ready Oscar to die on this hill. If she does and do she that, just, <laughs> it's just this crass little thing. She's doing it in person. And Mrs. Spielberg's at all the premieres. She's like, ah! I'm the Orson Welles one. I'm just <laughs> vigorously clapping in every theater. Stop! Stop fucking with your sister. <laughs> So is that the the Goonies or is that Throw Mama from the Train? Same, same lady, same wonderful, hilarious woman, whoever she was. <laughs> woman talking will also be uh, premiering at TIFF. That's directed by Sarah Polly. It's from Orion and United Artists. It's another one we've previewed a bunch, starring Francis McDormand, Rooney Mara, Clara Foy, Jesse Buckley, and Ben Wishaw. What a cast there! The uh, we do have a fleshed out plot premise one evening eight mennonite women climb into a hayloft to conduct a secret meeting for the past two years each of these women and more than a hundred other girls in their colony has been repeatedly drugged and raped in the night by the men of their colony who they are told are demons coming to punish them for their sins my god Ah, uh, nice light fun family fair there for everyone good lord yeah it's gonna be intense and uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be in the conversation. There's no question about it. Sarah Polly hasn't done a movie in a little bit, so I'm hoping that she hasn't lost her touch. But uh, away from her, certainly stories we tell. She's got the uh, pedigree. She's you know she's been a, a lifer in the industry. She was on one of my mother's favorite shows when I was a kid, Avonlea. I don't know if you've never if heard you're of aware her. of no. Avonlea, but it was basically a Fifi show for on the Disney Channel. Really? It was a period it was a period it was like an American period. I piece, was totally I expecting you to say BBC. Nah, no, not. like an American Fifi. Avonlea. No, not something I'm familiar with. And she was one of the principal characters. It was almost like what was like the kid who looks like me, Savage, the Wonder Years. It was like a Fred an Savage? old old Fifi Wonder Years. Avonlea. I, that's I my know, review. I don't know what to do with that information. I, that's I, my review. I was going to make a Joe Cocker joke, but that's that's the only place I can go. <laughs> I need you to go there now. You can't <laughs> no, not I don't, go to I don't Joe have the Cocker lyrics. I was, just, I was trying to think of a way to do have a little help for my friends, but with like old British <laughs> slang, but it didn't come together quick enough. 
Here I thought you were gonna make a you could leave your hat on joke, but nah, you didn't, you yeah, didn't do I'm gonna get to yeah. All right, well. Anyway, Empire of Light, <laughs> Empire of Light, from uh, Searchlight Studios. Again, we've been talking about this. It's December 9th. It's Searchlight. It's Sam Mendes, Olivia Coleman, Colin Firth. It's going to Venice. It's going to TIFF. I, I believe we said Venice last week, correct? Anyway, cinematography. I didn't realize Roger Deakins. Yeah, that God, Roger damn. Deakins. Olivia Coleman just keeps. <laughs> figuring out ways to get in the Oscars conversations, huh? 1917 Blade Runner 2049, Roger Deakins. You're not going to take this less seriously as an Oscars contender knowing Roger Deakins is the one behind the camera, right? Right. Uh, Now, if it was Empire of Light, like, 35, if it had a number involved, Empire of Light, comma, 1980, it would win cinematography. (laughs) Done. I see what you did there. These All are right. my jokes now. Uh, my policeman from Amazon, Bros, my Billy policeman. Eichner, yeah. <laughs> the Woman King, Sony. These are all previously announced. I don't know if we previously covered all of them. I know we covered Bros, so we're excited about Tiff being the launching pad for all three of those films. Uh, but we, this is Tiff, so we got a ton more, Michael. Uh, I, Tiff is always the coolest, and they always seem to cast the widest net. And we also have a lot of films from Netflix that are playing TIFF, including the opening night selection of The Swimmers. This is from writer-director Sally L. Hosaini, and uh, uh, my apologies if I mispronounced that, but this is another just, I mean, the premise of this is so heavy. Good Lord. A story of the miraculous journey made by swimming sisters Yusra and Sarah Mardini, who fled as refugees from war-torn Syria all the way to the 2016 Rio Olympics. Good God. Yeah, that's going to be intense, but hey, uh, Opening nighters are not usually uh, soul crushers, so that that could be a fun story. Mm. Uh, A jazz man's blues. This is Tyler Perry. Follows an investigation into an unsolved murder, unveiling a story full of forbidden love, deceit, and a secret. So Tyler Perry, another murder mystery. It almost seems like a crawdad sing kind of premise. It's a it's really a love story, but there's a murder mystery adjacent. You never know. I I just been curious about Tyler Perry kind of stepping up into the awards conversation a little more these you know the last few years. Yeah, I, he yeah. Might. he's been circling at least as an actor. Certainly, he's been like circling all these premiere prop. I mean, even just last year, he was the one that played a big role in Don't Look Up. So, uh, yeah, I, I too have that whiff of him. It's it's only a matter of time before he gets the Academy recognition that he deserves. And certainly, my God, for the stuff he's done Offset, um, the 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 first stills. Of a Jasmine mm. Blues were just released. They look kind of interesting. This kind of gets give like a noir feel, but obviously I we I only know what we have talked about knowing about this movie, which isn't much thus far. So I'm curious to see how that goes. I'm also curious to see how this next movie plays, Mike. All quiet on the Western Front. A lot of our fellow pundits are putting this into their best international film categories as of now. This is a German film, an adaptation of the famous novel, and one of the very first Best Picture winners in the 1930s there, starring Daniel Bruhl, uh, Baron von Zemo from the MCU. Anyway, Netflix has got a deep bench here, and it goes deeper. The Good Nurse, starring Oscar winners Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. An infamous caregiver is implicated in the deaths of hundreds of hospital patients. This is from uh, another round screenwriter, Tobias Lindholm. Michael, we've been seeing stills of Chastain and Redmayne for a while, too. Uh, this could be a best uh, you know performance category player. Who's the bad guy in that? I don't know. We don't know, right? I know, we specula- I know we speculated that it was Chastain, but I think it might be Redmayne. 
if it's the story, I think it is referencing from England, but I could be could be off base there. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. excited to see that. I am curious to see All Quiet on the Western Front. I mean, you said Best Picture winner from the 1930s. It was the Best Picture winner from 1930. That's how far back that thing goes, which was also a German film. I also think, pretty sure it was the first movie to win Best Director and Best Feature, or Best Production, uh, back I'm, in the 1930s Oscars. I'm rarely wrong, but I'm usually barely right. There you go. That's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. 60% of the time. It works every time. (laughs) Wendell and Wild is one that's been gaining a lot of traction, momentum. It's a claymation horror comedy, because of course it is, from Key and Peele. Uh, Jordan Peele's been asked about this doing the rounds, doing the press uh, for Nope. He's been asked about Wendell and Wild, and he's excited for it because he doesn't get to collaborate much with Keegan-Michael Key often anymore. So that's something to look forward to. We had Eric Weber on recently. He was also singing the praises of that one as a possible contender in the animated feature category. We also have The Wonder, which is starring those two crazy cats in love, Florence Pugh and Kieran Hines. What? It's a tale of two strangers who transform each other's lives, a psychological thriller, and a story of love pitted against evil. It's from writer-director Sebastian Lelio of the Oscar-winning A Fantastic Woman, adapted from the best-selling novelist Emma Donahue, who was also behind other previous Oscar-winning adaptations like Room, which of course starred Brie Larson. The Wonder will also be playing the San Sebastian Film Festival. I I, I say that in jest. We're not going to see Florence Pugh and Kieran Hines in love, right? I have no idea. This is a book I have not read. And I uh, probably won't. I'll probably see the movie first. But it's I think it's about some girls like bending spoons and stuff. It's like a little so or, it's the or not. It's the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Okay. She's the Oracle mm-hmm. or Kieran Hines is the Oracle. <laughs> Didn't we think Decision to Leave was about werewolves? In the premise stage. You pitched so. that. Yeah. I, 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 I read I, it I, I dove in. I was like, yeah, okay, it's about werewolves. <laughs> I only steal most of our copy from the internet. <laughs> and the internet said it was about werewolves. And it, I don't think anybody's come out that it's about werewolves. So this is not the Matrix. It's not my fault. It's the internet's fault. <laughs> Netflix also yeah, has... Sitting through that the entire time, wondering where the hell the wolves are. <laughs> She's a werewolf. <laughs> Is that a full moon? <laughs> I'm gonna start making young Frankenstein jokes in a second. I gotta <laughs> gotta hurry up. Gotta move on. Glass Onion. We've also covered this. We'll be premiering at TIFF. We're wondering if Glass Onion a knives out mystery will be getting a theatrical rollout. Tom Bergerman. A lot of good people have been um, you know writing pieces on whether or not Netflix will join the fray and give something an actual like 45 day exclusive window wide release if they'll try that out uh they're considering it for you know knives out too there i was surprised to read in that Bruggerman article that cinemark is the only major theater chain with a deal with netflix uh amc doesn't have one i know a couple independent yeah. theaters have them but i was surprised to learn that why would netflix do this wouldn't they that just been them, be them completely punting their business model? Yeah, but they're going to do ads. They're okay. Gonna, they're going to their business model was exclusive on Netflix, no ads, binge model, right? And now all of a sudden they're releasing I think you, you know, can get away with doing ads if you're Netflix though because you if you go to the movies now you have to sit through 10 minutes of commercials before you get to the half hour of previews. They're rattled because their stocks plummeted. I guess I don't. I don't know. I mean, you can rationalize it however they, however you want. It, it, this just doesn't make sense. To, like, well, forty-five day window. Then why are you Netflix? 
you're going to have Netflix for the things that aren't your biggest properties, but your biggest properties you're going to shift off to movie theaters? That doesn't make sense I to me. I think this is what we we called this two years ago. The yeah. streaming bubble would burst, mm-hmm. and then everybody would be freaking the hell out about streaming. That's ah, not viable. And here we are. We said this. I mean, I hate to say I told you so, the hives, <laughs> but I did. Didn't I? Well, you also just said Decision to Leave would have werewolves, though, so, you know. <laughs> Again, I'm rarely... We'll swing hard, but sometimes we make contacts. <laughs> the greatest beer run ever. Talk about as three Apple films, Apple TV+. Plus. The greatest beer run ever from Peter Farrelly's team, from Green Book, that is. This is a Vietnam War film, or a Vietnam War adjacent film, starring Zac Efron, Russell Crowe, and Bill Murray. It releases September 30th, so it has to premiere at TIFF, and I'm glad it is. A man's story of leaving New York in 1967 to bring beer to his childhood buddies in the army while they are fighting in Vietnam. Okay, Vietnam, direct, not adjacent. I know Efron, Russell Crowe, and Bill Murray aren't the three friends in the group, that one of them is bringing beer to the other two, but I want that to be the movie. I want that to be the movie as well. (laughs) Absolutely. I want three generations of (laughs) friends. different ages but they're all like somehow best friends and i want like exposition flashbacks to when baby efron and (laughs) you know bill murray with a really bad beer dyed Mm -hmm. dye on his face yeah yeah or just like cheers yeah and they're fighting in the same company in vietnam but like or maybe bill murray has to bring the beer to (laughs) russell crowe and zach efron that'd be funny too yeah it's like uh, Detective Baby Legs from yeah. <laughs> so that Solar Opposites. No, it's, that's uh, I think that's Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty. Rick be, and Morty. Might be Family Guy, but it's one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> Detective Baby Legs from Rick and Morty. Anyway, Raymond and Ray. This is Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke from director Rodrigo Garcia of Albert Knobs and in treatment. Two half brothers who reunite at the funeral of their father. This is getting some performance buzz i hear he's a two good looking men that i can totally see playing half brothers as one another with you and mcgregor and ethan hawk so that doesn't surprise me also two yeah. men who have dabbled in horror lately so that could have some dark undertone in that movie i like people who dabble in horror me anyway too. causeway michael causeway is an a24 via apple kind of co-production which is cool we, we reported on that deal a while back and when i say reported we stole it from the internet sure. writer writer director leela nugabauer famous playwright Jennifer Lawrence, Brian Tyree, Brian Tyree Henry. We've been previewing this movie for like, I at least conservatively fourteen years. Yeah, give or take. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's Jennifer Lawrence has kind of not done anything lately, and this has been the project that she's been attached to, or at least seen on set by, by a couple uh, news outlets in the last few years. So this is all we've really had. It's been this, and then the news that she's going to play Elizabeth Holmes in something at some point. That's right. So. But didn't somebody just play Elizabeth Holmes and Amanda Seyfried? Amanda Seyfried, yeah, in the, the miniseries. Seyfried? Yeah, but I, think... I can never say her name right, ever. I always <laughs> screw it up. I don't know what to, I don't know how to help you there. <laughs> anyway, Cowsway. Cowsway <laughs> st- stars J- Jennifer Lawrence with Brian Tyree Henry. And we have a heavy premise for it, Michael. A U.S. soldier suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in Afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home. Still of Jennifer Lawrence looking out the window on a bus. Yeah, and I think based on what we've, uh, part of the preview we had was that we think Jennifer Lawrence is the soldier in question there. And she's going to be the one suffering PTSD. It could be Brian Tyree Henry, but I think that's the the assumption that we made, whether it was going to be yeah. Jennifer Lawrence's character. 
this is too serious to, uh, to keep going with this. So who has the better scenes looking out a window? Tilda Swinton in The Eternal Daughter or Jennifer Lawrence on a bus? Oh, I, 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 until somebody can outstare Tilda Swinton, <laughs> the answer is going to be Tilda Swinton. That's right. That's a correct answer. <laughs> Two movies from Searchlight that are also playing uh, TIFF here. We've talked about the menu. We've pre- we reviewed the trailer for the menu a couple episodes ago. This is from Searchlight. It was Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicholas Holt, who's hilarious in the trailer. Ray mm. Fiennes, directed by Successions Mark Mylod. A young couple travel to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. A lot of dark undertone into the theme of that trailer we also yeah, have rich people suck yeah that's probably going to be where the uh, theme of that one lands i would imagine <laughs> we also have chevalier from searchlight this is kelvin harrison samara weaving lucy boynton and Minnie driver it's based on the mm. true story of composer joseph baloney baloney balogny i'm not cultured uh, <laughs> Chevalier de St. George, the illegitimate son of an African slave and a French plantation owner who rises to heights in French society as a composer before an ill-fated love affair. So this has a great still. It's very Amadeus looking, right? I mean, they're full-blown oh, wigs. Kelvin Harrison's like bowing in front of his orchestra. It's about a, a real-life uh, composer there. So this is... This is a true story, like it says, and baloney, balanya. I agree. I want to understand the pronunciation. Got, if, of it, this. if it's if it's chevalier, it's got to be. Balanier, is it chevalier? No? What if it's it cavalier? What if it's, it's what if it's <laughs> the story of the two thousand three Cleveland Cavaliers, the Lost King? <laughs> we have the Woman King and the Lost King. We have the Mother and the Father and the Son. These are all real titles of real movies that are coming out, or have come out. The Lost King, this is from Warner Brothers. An amateur historian defies the stodgy academic establishment in her efforts to find King Richard III's remains, which were lost for over 500 years. This comes from writer-director Stephen Fears, who did The Queen, Philomena, and Dangerous Liaisons. It stars Sally Hawkins, <laughs> Steve Coogan, and Harry Lloyd, let me have my pronunciations. You didn't. You didn't miss a thing there. Don't worry about it for a second. I wouldn't. Wouldn't dare to correct you. Liaison spelled L-I-N-Z-H-O-N-S. I'm just glad you were reading these last two plot premises. Uh, this came out of nowhere for me because this seems kind of Oscar-y. Stephen Frears, he's been a director of sneaky Oscar contenders in the past with like Philomena, kind of caught a lot of people off. Did guard. I call him Stephen Frears? Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, he's had some recent Emmy success, Stephen Frears, with a very English scandal, uh, including Ben Wishaw's win in 2018. And Sally R- uh, Hawkins... And Sally Hawkins is an armchair bookworm who challenges a stodgy <laughs> academic establishment. I mean, this just seems like old academy porn, just like the bookworm who wins. I, what do you I, think is the definition of stodgy according to the internet? <laughs> I don't know. You have to. I mean, is it uptight. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's two. There's dull and uninspired, and then there's the British. How do you spell speaking, dull? This, I'm learning something. D U L L. 
Oh, okay. I thought it was like a Brit- fancy British word. D O L L. Well, there is there is a British definition, which is stodgy is speaking of food, which means heavy filling and high in carbohydrates. You know, you know what I watched lately that was killing me, just absolutely killing me. Freaking Jordan Peele at the Continental Breakfast on Key and Peele. I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh my God! Watch Wait, it immediately. Maybe we'll I have. Press what's the, pause. What's the punchline? No, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody. Everybody go and YouTube <laughs> Jordan Peele Continental Breakfast. You'll just be I, happier in all life. All right, I'll have to check that out. I think I've seen it. It rings a bell, but I don't know. What? You're such a spoiler magnet. You wanted <laughs> the punchline. You begged me for the punchline yeah. immediately. Well, I want to know if I've seen it. What's the funny part? <laughs> can't believe you. Butcher's Crossing. Butcher's Crossing is Nicolas Cage, Buffalo Hunter. Uh, a frontier epic about an Ivy League dropout as he travels to the Colorado wilderness, where he joins a team of buffalo hunters on a journey that puts his life and sanity at risk, of course, based on the highly acclaimed novel by John Williams and uh, Sanctuary. This stars Christopher Abbott of Possessor and Margaret Qualley of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Made follows a dominatrix, Michael. Yeah, I'm listening. Uh, a dominatrix and Hal, her wealthy client. If your name is Hal, you're going to have a dominatrix, aren't you? Yeah, probably. You're that, just that, not going to. Otherwise, you'll be uh, whatever's long. What, what's the full name of Hal? Halbert? Hal. You'd go by your full name if you yeah. were truly not dominatrixed. Anyway, <laughs> files a dominatrix and Hal, her wealthy client, and the disaster that ensues when Hal tries to end their relationship. All the all our listeners named Hal are just nodding. Yeah, I, I just got a dominatrix every majority of our every audience. Third Wednesday. Yeah, <laughs> they're canceling their dominatrix plans right now. I Nick Cage. I wish Nick Cage would just disappear from public life but keep doing movies because then we can play a game as to, like, whether this is a made-up premise or something Nick Cage actually did. Mm. Because if you were to pitch me the Butcher's Crossing premise, I would buy that as a Nick Cage movie even if it was never actually made. Have you watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? No, I have not yet. All right, because this is what you should be referencing here. Because that's the perfect reason why that movie was made. Because yeah. he was doing all the weird shit in his real life, or we, at least we thought he was, before he was doing it in movies. And then he did like a hundred movies like in a row in like three mm-hmm. years. Anyway, I thank God uh, Nicolas Cage, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and Mike One will be fond of one another. That's what he I think. Should, he should hire a dominatrix. That should be his next role. Or maybe he should be a dominatrix. Nicolas Cage wearing leather with a whip. Uh, he did a movie wearing leather, uh, except they had exploding testicular bombs attached to you know where. What was that stupid movie? I watched it. That was might have been the worst movie I've seen since we started this podcast. I don't know who did it. Anyway, uh, per Ann Thompson, <laughs> again, I'm referencing Screen Talk here at IndieWire. Uh, they actually cued us in on something very smart, but it's, it's also something very reasonable on the calendar because TIFF comes out kind of right after uh, Telluride. So basically, if something says... Canadian premiere that mm. must mean it already had its North American premiere but the only place it could really have its North American premiere must have been Telluride you see Smart. so Telluride happens September 2nd through the 5th uh, we have Toronto September 8th 
through the 18th, and therefore Broker, Brother, Empire of Light, Holy Spider, One Fine Morning, and The Wonder, they will all be at Telluride if we're following our context clues and they're not lying to us, Michael. And Thompson, part-time investigator there, getting her Columbo on, figuring that out. I like that. That's smart. Sleuthing, getting yeah. us getting us the Telluride preview that never should have been, but here it is. There you are. So there's some news on Telluride. That's a lot of news about TIFF. We had some news regarding the New York Film Festival. Let's talk about the award shows landscape now, and we'll talk about BAFTA. Uh, we've talked recently about the Golden Globes and the HFPA having a bunch of changes in their lives. Well, BAFTA is going to have some rule changes that they've passed. So let's talk about those. We can start by saying that the BAFTAs are going to take place February 19th. That's three weeks from Oscars Sunday, which is March 12th. Uh, Usually, the BAFTAs are two weeks prior to the Oscars. This year, they will be three weeks prior to the Oscars, so a bit of a change in schedule there. But they also have some changes in terms of their nomination and voting practices. Yeah, the long lists aren't long anymore. The long lists are like medium lists. Uh, Or as Diali G says, semi-long ones. (laughs) I can't believe I read. Good I can't job. believe I went through it and read the copy. You had days to change that joke. Days, <laughs> I left it. The long lists for best film and the crafts at BAFTA have gone down from fifteen to ten. Outstanding British film will go down from twenty to fifteen. What do you think, Michael? I don't like that. I, I don't understand. I guess it it depends on what you think the purpose of the short lists slash long lists are. They're long lists. Now they're not long lists. They're medium lists. Right. And also isn't half the fun of the lists. I mean, if you think the lists are to point out which movies are closer to the best picture and which movies are further away. And so they make the long list cut or they don't, which I kind of think that's the purpose of the list. Those are fun talking points. They make good content. They make good good arguments. Then you have to be kind of disheartened by the shutting down. But if you think the long list purpose is to better preview what may win the category, then I guess you're okay with this. But I, I personally, I like the more movies you can give recognition to, the better in my eyes. And we always know, usually by the time the list come out, which four or five or six films are going to be in the running to win the category anyway. So really all you're doing is highlighting films that otherwise wouldn't really be, have a chance to be highlighted in that category, which is a good thing. The big thing that the article cited is that uh, they have a week less, right? They have a week less to watch the films. So they don't think they're going to be able to watch all the films in this time span, but Hey, you can watch, you could, prepare for that in advance like i just <laughs> yeah, have like, no sympathy I, I don't yeah and also and I, that's not going to solve the 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 voting body isn't watching problem either right it's a one it's a one week switch but I, it's, it's a five film shortening of a long list that was perfectly long i i just i enjoyed i enjoyed the 20 film long list and i'm i'm a little bummed bummed out let's just say but yeah. otherwise they are giving their larger voting body more power in the performance categories, that's another big switch where we had the automatic two and we all mm-hmm. speculated on who, you know, what were the two and best actress, etc. So the top two vote getters after the preliminary rounds were automatically entered, as nomina- automatically entered as nominees in the category. And then the remaining three slots or four slots were left up to the uh, jury. Correct, and now there's going to be an automatic three. So the top three performances uh, in the opening round, round one of the voting, they will be automatically nominated, and then the next three uh, will be 
the next three will be done by the jury because there's six nominations per yeah. each category, and this will go for all four performance categories, Support two supportings, yeah. two leads. Makes sense. I mean, in other words, sorry that we gave Rocks 18 nominations ah. out of the blue a couple years ago. Rocks was a good movie. You yeah. shouldn't be sorry. It, it was, but I think it was also surprising to a lot of people that it was so beloved when they made those changes to their nomination process. Fake BAFTA. I'm very angry at you for <laughs> mentioning rocks. <laughs> Fake BAFTA, who sounds like Peter Griffin. Anyway, those automatic three uh, will be automatically nominated, like I said. Then they will go to that jury system, and the jury has less work to do. So, again, everybody has less movies to watch, I guess. Less just, movies to nominate. Just as Hollywood planned it. <laughs> Short list. Anyway, Best Director will now have an automatic two up from an automatic one. And the top two vote-getters, regardless of gender, will be automatically nominated. Now, juries will then complete a long list of five men and five women. Uh, and the nominating jury will then, you know, pick three and three, I believe. I like that. They, regardless of gender, and then they, they break it down by male and female. I don't mind that. I, I think that's kind of a unique way to approach it. You also got to wonder, you know, Denis Villeneuve's entire run for Dune last year, kind of the the harbinger of bad Oscars news to come, started with the BAFTAs and his not being there. So you wonder if this automatic two was there instead of the automatic one, would he have made it last year? What we do got to keep in mind, though, is the dates for the long list, because that will be unveiled on January 6th, nominations January 19th, so late movement won't really be factored in to the long list, where you'll already know, you'll al- you'll, you'll, like well point. before that, yeah. you'll already know the, the big two, so essentially they're going to take front runners and make them automatic nominees. This is why this is kind of flawed, Michael, I would say, because, I mean, look, we got Oscar noms on the 24th, so everything's before the 19th, so it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a big deal, but, like, front runners that taper off, they're front and center of this conversation. It's a good say. point, but uh, do you like the structure of what they're going for here with the automatic two and then you know, regardless of gender and then breaking it down further for the director category? Yeah, I mean, they're trying. They're trying. I mean, they are really trying to take power away from their idiot voters and to give it back to them now that they power realize Power away from the people. They, they, they're trying to give some more power back to them when they know they just won't vote for all white British people. Yeah. So we'll no, see. Which... You know, if any voting body, well, I guess they all have. I was going to say if any voting body has had problems over the years, but they've all proven to not be trustworthy. They've proven it. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, we have, uh, like I said, six per in the performance categories and director. That was confirmed again. And their eligibility windows have been tweaked to accommodate the earlier dates of BAFTA here. And they've reaffirmed their stance that everything must be on their BAFTA view streaming service to be eligible, which you think wouldn't be a problem. But like for Marvel films like Spider-Man No Way Home, which didn't want to put its stuff out there early before its release date, don't want to risk spoilers or whatever. Spider-Man No Way Home did not did not follow those rules and was not eligible for anything last year, which was a big deal to us at the time. Yeah, and it would have been nice to know that ahead of time as well. But also, I don't think Marvel... Do you think Marvel cares about BAFTA? 
I do not think Marvel cares about BAFTA, no. I don't either. But maybe they do this year at Wakanda Forever, right. but that's, that's in November. That's so. exactly why I asked the question, because I wasn't willing to say they definitely don't, because I know Black Panther did. So there's, there's definitely that to uh, to think about. We'll see how Marvel plays it this year with the award shows. Let's update you, dear listener, on the award season calendar thus far, because Critics' Choice, the DGA, and the Mike Mike and Oscar Beloved Muaz, the Makeup and Hairstyling Awards, the uh, Makeup and Hairstyling Guild there, they have all added their dates, Michael. Yeah, the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards and the Gothams will be November. The Oscar shortlists are December, and uh, we're starting to fill out January. We have the Critics' Choice on January 15th, and we got a lot of nominations coming for a lot of the uh, Oscars undercard guilds. So the Muaz will have... January 11th nominations and a lot of the guilds that have announced thus far the two audio guilds won 10 nominations from sound editors and the CAS Society and we have the the ADG the Art Directors Guild coming out on the 9th so January is going to be a lot of guild noms a lot of noms in general and then we'll have kind of those guilds spread out through February the Muaz picked a date of February 11th the DGAs the Directors Guild there have picked the date of February 18th uh, otherwise we know that PGAs are the 25th and the sound nominees or sound guild excuse me uh, will be the 26th uh, to the uh, to 4th of uh, March and then of course the Oscars are the 12th of March. So I like to do as many numbers as possible, as many numbers and dates as possible in an mm. audio podcast format as I can. We like, we're going to be, it's eventually just turn into a bingo podcast. <laughs> uh, it is interesting to note, though, the Moaz will take place on a Saturday. The DGAs a week after those are on a Saturday as well. And why are they on a Saturday? Super Bowl, uh, what is it, 52, 53, whatever it is, that's taking place Sunday, February 12th this year. So the guilds have to work in, as they always do, around the Super Bowl because. Nobody's going to watch them if they conflict with the Super Bowl, and they know that. They know that, so they're being wiser. And that's why, you know, a lot of noms in January instead of a lot of shows in January. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Michael, we got some Oscar trailers. So we have Till to start. We had its first look. It debuts the 14th of October this year. This is from MGM. I, this, I mean, first of all, the story is horrific. Right. And this is focused on Emmett Till's uh, the the tragedy of Emmett Till and basically how his mother reacted during the court proceeding and the fallout thereafter. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't feel very Oscar during this, but it's also I just I this story makes me filled with rage. Yeah, it's it's one of those tough sits. But I will say that the trailer gives you a lot of hope that they're going to put it in a modern context and they're going to discuss the fallout like you said the court case and certainly the reverberations that this case has had for a long time we do have a cast that i think should be uh recognized daniel deadweiler the harder they fall station 11 my my brother loved station 11 by the way that was my cool you know the brother who just had a baby says uh station 11 for whatever reason Sage can watch Station Eleven in the background and won't wake up and scream at him. Uh, Frankie Faison uh, is also in the cast of Till here. Last year's Gotham Best Performance winner tied with Olivia Coleman there. And Whoopi Goldberg, Oscar winner uh, from Ghost, uh, also Oscar nom from The Color Purple. They, you know, they lead a cast of Jamie Lawson, Haley Bennett, Sean Patrick Harris, Harris, and, and of course Jalen Hall. So this could be a star-studded cast that gets an ensemble. Uh, ensemble categories throughout sure. the season. And it's getting the rollout with the New York Film Festival, so that's pretty cool. Just a heart-wrenching trailer, 
but a good outline to the story that I think was very important in the marketing that they outlined some hope uh, for the story. And you're not just going to be in a parade of sadness, which is uh, which is very important. I think people don't realize how recent that Emmett Till tragedy was either. I, I right. think people think it's like, you know, from from slave era. To, I mean, that happened. It went down in 1955, I believe, was the date yeah. when the when the actual lynching occurred and, and the uh, the decision to have an open casket at, the, at his funeral, which caused all sorts of uproar and headlines and brought the civil rights movement uh, kind of started their their infancy there. It was, you know, it's a big deal. And it was not that long ago. Didn't they? Didn't I see something online? Uh, I don't know if it was fake or real. Like a woman involved in that case was no, she's located. still alive. She was yeah, low, she's, just she's, recently located. She's like 88, and and I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of controversy as to why she's not facing any kind of prosecution right now. And yeah. has she come out in the latter years and said she made the entire thing up to begin with? And blah blah oh blah. God. Yeah, there's a there's a, it's it's a disgusting story. It truly is. So the Haley Bennett character is she was the one who's located. I believe wow. so, but I don't want to. I'm not that familiar i think it was the, the one working at the store i believe yeah. so wow yeah well we'll move on to strange world this is disney animation this is november 23rd of 2022 uh, voices in this animated film are jake gyllenhaal gabrielle union dennis quaid lucy Wu. we ha- is this like a theme park ride strange world it seems like something like that it seems like old-timey disney getting a redux michael because Which basically it's colonists on a alien world exploring it. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of like the the old school trailer feel that Disney went through with this. They start in black and white, but they have the you know, like, ah, get your blah, 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 that voice, you know, <laughs> the hey, world of wonder, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I just didn't work for the Tomorrowland George right. Clooney movie. It's uh, true, but which it is, might work. For uh, this if one. you listen to, if you ever listen to some more news. Tomorrowland is like the only pure film that's ever been made about the uh, future, and it's great. And I have a whole new respect for it after that episode. I think it was the Some More News movie. Cody wow. Johnson, Katie Stone Company, they do a great job. Lance Harris writes for them, I know. A lot of people that uh, that we like. Um, this is supposed to be Disney's animation's big Oscars foray, right? They're re- this is their, their Thanksgiving release. This is the one that they think is going to play well in the animated feature category. Jake Gyllenhaal has never sounded more like Jake Gyllenhaal than he does in this uh, voiceover. It better be after, you know, Turning Red didn't get the fanfare it deserved, in my opinion, and then certainly Lightyear disappointed so much at the box office that I'm guessing it's just not a factor down the stretch because I do think this is shaping up to be a pretty darn good year for animation. I agree. And, uh, yeah, Strange World, it looks cool. Like, what did you think of the flocks of stingrays, manta rays that are just swim, not swimming, flying everywhere? Weird, huh? Yeah, they went for a couple things that were kind of reminiscent. Like that was that was weird. It, it kind of reminded me of some Finding Nemo shots from the water, even though obviously it wasn't in the water. They had the walking trees, which reminded me of Lord of the Rings, which not the third one, obviously. If you listen to our last episode, didn't remind me of the third Lord of the Rings, but <laughs> they're in the third ep- episode too. Now I'm calling it episodes. Like yeah, you know, I'm so mad at you for the installment. <laughs> Now you're never going to watch it either. You're going to belligerently no. not watch <laughs> The Lord of the Rings or Return of the I King. I burned my copy of it, yeah. <laughs> Strange World, bringing up all the old beef on Mike, Mike and Oscar. The fresh wounds, ripping off the band-aid. 
Yeah, yeah, these animals look great. Yeah, what's, what's the next? What's the next freaking trailer we're discussing? I'm like legitimately mad at you. How dare I? I like, do I have any right to like just get angry with you? I just feel betrayed. I do feel stabbed in the heart for you not having seen Lord of the Rings. And I don't think you like lied about it or anything. I'm just no, genuinely I shocked. I did not. I definitely didn't lie. It didn't come up. It was just an assumption I made. When you glowingly spoke about the first film of the series. My, my buddy though- and I, I remember it because I hadn't watched it. And this was like 11 years ago or something. And my buddy and I were going to watch them, all three of them, in one day. And we watched the first two. And we we're going to start the third one. And it ended up. This is getting worse. We had to coach a baseball team that wasn't our team. But they like didn't have a coach to show up. So we got called in in an emergency. And I just never got back to it. You left on a he- Oh my god. How is that possible? Well you just you you overdid it. You shouldn't have watched all of those in a day. Right. You it was a lot it. of watching. It's a you lot were of you were ready. And then you 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 got the joke from like Clerks 2 and like you know, Jason Mewes is like walking around dropping something fake, but you didn't realize it was the te- technical achievement uh, of the century, <laughs> the just marvel of all things. I'll tell you what I didn't realize is you were such a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, like the that. rest of the friggin' world. <laughs> so sue me, lawyer. I'm just all defensive now for the rest of forever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was genuinely shocked. It, it really, it really got under my. I was betrayed, and I, I don't even feel guilty about getting mad at you yet, even though I behaved reprehensibly. <laughs> eh, it made me laugh. <laughs> Hopefully, it made our listeners laugh too. Uh, something that. I guess is going to try to make us laugh more than scare us. We had our first look at Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That first trailer of it uh, came out. I was still freaked out by it. Were you? Because I wasn't scared at all. This was very mellow. This was very, I mean, it was very easy watching. It was a, a, a cute old man. I, You know, the, the eyes are a little strange to me because eyes in animated films are usually big and very, you know, you know, windows to the soul kind of... Uh, caricatured like this is not caricature this feels a little different than that but you know maybe disney wouldn't go this way but ewan mcgregor voice here turning turning jiminy cricket into master splinter with an irish accent isn't something i saw coming (laughs) and he's got he's dead in the eyes jiminy cricket (laughs) those are bug eyes if i ever seen them those are alien eyes you didn't get freaked out by that sorceress who's like oh it's a boy without a soul or whatever Nah, I, I, I thought the trailer was very uh, lyrical and whimsical is the word. I was surprised by the trailer. I was expecting them to at least warn the children before Guillermo scares the ever-living poop out of their pants. <laughs> because he's gonna. This is yes, a scary is. story, Pinocchio. And it's terrifying. Pinocchio is objectively a horrifying story. I agree. But this, again, it looks great. The animation does look top tier and top notch, and it's yet another example of animated feature. Non-Disney animated feature films might be ruling the day this year in that category for the Oscars. Yeah, and kudos to Netflix. They're doing a lot of different types of animated films. They just bought a studio. And, yeah, Eric Weber was all over it. He thinks this is going to be Netflix's year in animated feature. So let's move on there. We have uh, animated feature covered. We have the film festivals covered. We have some film award shows covered. Let's talk about the week-to-week box office now. And the DC League of Super Pets did well for itself 
this past weekend. It ended up at number one, a $23 million domestic opening, $41 million worldwide. It does have a $90 million budget, so... Yeah. Under thirty million, usually thirty million is kind of like the mile marker for you to do a hundred million domestically. This doesn't seem like it'll hit that number. Is this considered a flop? You think? Well, whatever ridiculously high number I put on it in our box office over unders, I'm sure it's going to be below that. I, I have no idea what I said. It's kind of amazing that the family films didn't do well this summer, all throughout. I just thought like DC fans would be happy to go to this one. Yeah, it's really weird. DC has, uh, they've had a bit of a lull, and you're right, these family I mean, Thor, films have underperformed. Thor underperformed, Minions is pro- may not get to a billion, you know, which, I mean, that's not underperforming by, you know, apples to apples, but con- comparing it to how despicable me movies and Minions movies have done previously, it's not doing great. You're right, they've definitely underperformed, and I'm, and Minions just hit uh, video for 20 bucks, you know, and eventually they'll be on Peacock, right, so... Thor: Love and Thunder. Do they go to Disney Plus earlier than than expected? And then Lightyear too, which we've talked about, has been a huge underperformance. And that definitely went to Disney Plus much earlier than than we expected. At least Lightyear is going to be on there this weekend, I believe. And again, so that, Light- that's another reason it does kind of open the door for all these other animated films to be in the animated feature race because we haven't really had anything that's kind of been the must see family event of the year. That's a cartoon and a family movie. Right. I I was starting to say, I don't think Lightyear's an offensively bad movie either. It's fine. And it's uh, actually what offends people offends us <laughs> because yeah. we're angry about that whole issue. So, uh, of course, we wanted Lightyear to succeed more. And it's, you know, it just I don't know if it qu- quite worked for me, but it was, like you said, visually stunning, worth the theatrical. Yeah. It, well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So you went into Lightyear. You said you were about five to ten minutes late. So you missed the opening line uh, the, that was on the title card that explained, and people know it by now. It's not a spoiler, but it explained that this is the movie that Andy saw in theaters in 1995. This is the not Buzz Lies, Lightyear prequel. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's nonsense. <laughs> but that's my question. Do, do you think you would have more enjoyment from that movie if that line was removed and this was just the Buzz Lightyear origin story? I don't know. I kind of knew that going in. I knew that going in, but I just didn't. Uh, I didn't care about that. I understand okay. in my adult life that this is a spinoff. <laughs> that they're trying <laughs> to tell another story. We're just getting multiverse. But so it makes absolutely it. no sense if you put this in the context of this is the movie Andy saw. If they did a real life Minions and told me. <laughs> if this is the movie Steve Carell barfed out, I don't care. I would see it because I see everything. I know. I sure as hell would. This is what Steve Carell hallucinated before he barfed it out after doing peyote in the desert. <laughs> I would see that. I get that. it. I get it. I don't care about the <laughs> inspiration right. of some films in terms of liking the film, I guess. I don't know. Maybe... Maybe, maybe I don't know what I don't know, and well, I don't know what I feel. First. Mike hates movies. Thor: Love and Thunder <laughs> underperformed, like you said. That that's been been a subject of midnight movie talk with Eric there. And nope, we didn't. Did we touch on nope? No, nope, no, did, we didn't touch on nope. Nope did eighteen point five after a forty four million dollar opening. These are good numbers, but not great numbers. Are they going to make a profit? On the uh, what's the budget on this? Seventy million, I believe. Seventy, I think, was the number we talked about. I mean, it's going to pass a hundred domestically. That's its own form of, you know, 
mm-hmm. gold star for you. It hasn't opened overseas yet. Jordan Peele historically isn't a huge overseas player, but alien movies usually do well. Yeah. It it could do better than expected, but at least better than his previous films overseas. Again, because of that draw. But no, it's not. It's not going to be an over. Whatever we said. Yeah. Again, we were very I, bullish. A lot, lot of summer unders. A lot of summer unders. A lot more than I wanted to admit at the time. And your curmudgeony, curmudgeony ass is right. And more Box often, office is not back. Well, look at Jurassic World. It's definitely an under. You won. <laughs> <laughs> definitely under yeah the black no, I, phone was the only thing i was very right about i said the black yeah, phone you nailed gonna... that uh elvis creeping towards 300 million worldwide but still not there yet breaked in another almost 6 million domestically 234.3 on an 85 million dollar budget you know it's even that i mean we thought that budget the reports we read before we saw Elvis, had that as $200 million budget. And I was saying, when that was the case, no way is that going to make profitability. And right. it's obviously much less, an $85 million budget. But even still, $85 million, you got to wonder if that's going to be, you know, how much box office room does that have left to run? It's got to be nearing profitability, but I don't think it's there yet. Three times, though, right? It's almost at three times. Yeah, it's it pro- it's And it got announced that it's coming to uh, HBO Max or something. No, it's coming for $20 very soon in august early I hope august they re-release that i really do i hope austin butler has enough legs they were saying it was gonna be a september vod but now it's an august vod i wonder what that means mm-hmm. i wonder if that i wonder if they're trying to piggyback the marketing again while the marketing is hot we've been seeing these people go to vod sooner than typical right they typically have a longer wait between windows and they're not doing that now and there is a lull right now in the schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't seen anything advertised for upcoming films as much as I've seen Samaritan advertised. Streaming's coming back with a vengeance this particular month in terms of the original movies. And I'm going to talk about a few of those kind of mm-hmm. leading into this weekend. Obviously, we got Prey. we got 13, uh, what is it, 13 Lives. Can't wait to see Prey. Me too. I'm really excited about that. I watched the original Predator with Arnold and here, what I thought? well here's the thing that my new eyes were fr- was frustrated with way too many predator pov shots like it almost interrupted the whole movie for me like why are we in the predator's pov looking through the so often because the glorified heat uh whatever you want to call that sonar was probably a new technology in the 19 mid 1980s <laughs> I think it was late. It, or, yeah, you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. But you have Arnold and those biceps, and you're spending all this time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a, it was a good watch. Though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed quoting Arnold the rest of the day. And the entire, I mean, the twist. If, I don't know if we want to spoil Predator. I don't know if no, it can be spoiled at this point. But, but, like, the twist relies on the Predator's POV more than anything. So it makes sense, I guess, narratively. Yeah, I guess, but I don't. I didn't remember half the action scenes in the Predator POV. Yeah. It's a lot of Predator POV, is all I'm saying. Uh, much more than I remembered it. Just saying. Anyway, Michael, uh, a movie that is not performing as well at the box office that it, it, it should be doing much better from A24, and I'll make a quick case for it 
little make the case segment to take us out here. Marcel the shell with shoes on. This was adorable. I was like, I had like one teardrop underneath my eye the whole movie. It, it was so cute. <laughs> I couldn't good. believe it. Jenny Slate. I guess this is a, you know, it's a stop motion YouTube video that went viral from the director Fleischer. She and, was on Conan O'Brien's old TBS show talking about her character of Marcel like five years ago. That just well, was a, a YouTube recommended video to me. So, yeah, I didn't realize this was an old property either. Dean Fleischer Camp, I didn't realize that he and Jenny Slate were like engaged or they were like a longtime couple. And interesting. Like this okay. whole movie is starring him with her voice and he is like getting over like the most heart-wrenching breakup of his life. Like this is like a really sad movie, but it's a beautiful movie. It's not sad in the end. It's a gorgeous movie happy eventually cuz obviously it's a kids movie. It was packed when I went to see it. Marcel the Shell. Packed. Really? I had a full theater at like 2 o'clock on a Saturday. People loved it. Just loved it like squealing with glee. The families, full families were there. I felt like a creep sitting next like i was one of the very few seats and it was i sat next to like a family of eight seeing marcel the shell i am your ninth now by the end like they were just you know we were holding hands i was holding hands with like the grandmother <laughs> crying that's on each cool other's that like you had a universally beloved film there but like you said it only took in six hundred, a little over six hundred thousand this past week, and only a little over four million dollars box office. It's not even in a thousand theaters. Well, yeah, but that's good for like a a ramp up. It just doesn't look like it's going to stay because it's been losing showtimes around here, which is again very surprising to me. That uh, you know, I go to a sold out showing, and then yeah, a week later, poof, it's going to be gone. Which is What's a shame. The grade? A B plus, a B plus, easy. It's a wow. B plus eighty eight for me. It's in my top ten on the year thus far. I love Marcel the Shell. If it's, if it is eligible for animated feature, and I know there's some debate on that, then I would say all day I would bang the table. Marcel the Shell with shoes on for animated feature, certainly a nomination. Uh, and yeah, I, if it does come out uh, soon on uh, VOD, you guys should check it out. Uh, I, I I discovered two other movies by the way, okay. TV films recommended to me by family members okay now i rolled my eyes at this michael yeah when my brother daniel told me you gotta watch honor society on paramount plus not something i've heard of did not think that this was gonna be you know be anything i didn't even know what it was it's angori rice of of the Spider-Mans and the nice guys and it's Stranger Things uh Gatton Matarazzo Matarazzo mm-hmm. along with Christopher Mintz Plas McLovin there. And this is just YA done right. This is very 10 things I hate about you. This is a girl in high school trying to navigate her senior year, trying to get into Harvard and doing dastardly things. Dastardly things to her other students. I love this movie from start to finish. This girl's going to be a star. You know, you got Stranger Things Gatton there, yeah. uh, Gaetano. He's he's terrific. And I would just recommend, just watch this movie. You're going to, if you like, like, The Edge of Seventeen, if you like Easy A, even though this is not a movie about sex, it's not like a kid's sex odyssey thing, but, you know, if you like those movies, Ten Things I Hate About You, like I said, watch Honor Society on Paramount+. Plus. Interesting. Uh, it was a discovery. And then my father recommended, he said, you got to watch Rise on Disney+. Plus. I will never watch this movie, but go ahead. 
Giannis and Tedacumpo yeah. terrorized the Celtics yeah. in the playoffs. That, yeah, mm-hmm. so you can't watch it. But look at Giannis and Tedacumpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, two-time MVP, NBA champion. A very emotional origin story on the level, at least in my book. Only a couple points away from King Richard as a wow. great movie about parents like these two hero parents in this story are incredible and really well drawn out characters who you're in their pov for much of the film uh it's a very strong movie in terms of basketball so rise is the second really awesome basketball movie going directly to streaming this year hustle and rise i just i'm really thrilled at some of these tv movies that are coming out lately so this is uh again two discoveries i didn't think to watch this one for a while just bang the table, made fun of me for not seeing you had a movie podcast. You'd never see this movie. I hate when people say that. I hate I, that bugs me so much. Well, guess what? Everybody tell Mike you have a movie podcast, but you haven't seen the return of the no, King. You'll only be feeding me. You don't want to do that. Don't poke the beast. Every day I try so hard to stifle him down. Like uh, what's his name in that movie with the uh, glass swallow. Oh, no. James McAvoy. No, is it McAvoy? Oh, Split. Split. Yeah, yeah, the Beast character there. (laughs) That mine's just a snarky dick. (laughs) You don't crawl on the ceiling? (laughs) Put your shirt off? I sit in a couch. (laughs) But what if you crawled on the ceiling, fell down to the couch? I'm jacked with uh, with no shirt on the ceiling, and I fall, land perfectly on a couch, and just my gut hanging over my wet t- my white t shirt. Good for you. Be happy. Thank you. A pint of Ben and Jerry's, judging everyone watching basketball. Basketball in August. <laughs> Uh, so Rise was good, huh? It was really that I like. I was offended by the premise of Rise. Like, what, wait till the guy's retired. I certainly don't need to see it advertised while he's putting up forty, twelve, and six in a playoff game against my favorite team. When you're crying your eyes out yeah. in Act Two, at the beginning of Act Two, you tell me, you you repeat that statement. All right, all right. No, it was really. I'm glad really to hear well it. I'm yeah, glad to hear good. it. Okay, cool that that's on Disney Plus. Do a Disney Plus exclusive. <laughs> Honor Society. Was written apparently by I was looking it up while you were reading uh, talking about it David A Goodman who must be like a right hand man of Seth MacFarlane's because he was a producer on Family Guy for all these years he was a producer on Orville he was a producer on Futurama back in the day as well the original Futurama so uh, the guy that's been nominated for six primetime Emmys nice. as well so good hands there awesome yeah that's good the finds. episode yeah there you go we got through it. We got I, here, through it with I, only minor breakdowns. Yeah, but I guess I should do one negative review because I don't. You need, I know you don't like when I only do positive reviews. Yes, go ahead. But this me. is an irrational negative review. Okay. N- not okay, Zoe Deutsch, who we love on MMO. Oh, you watched? You didn't like that? I watched 15 minutes of it. I was squirming. I was so uncomfortable. Really? I shut it off. So because maybe of the type of character it. she is. It's like uncut gems level of uncomfortable. It's not like they... I mean, I got mad at the whole unlikable female protagonist thing. It's like, what the hell does that mean? I was like belligerently watching at that point. But no, it's it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that she's in this the most awkward situation in the history of ever. And I just couldn't handle it. So was it like the... the I'm not... Zoom generation of it all? Like the social media obsessed stuff that made you uncomfortable somewhat I just, she's caught in the worst lies just the worst 
And I, I mean, they're in the preview. The, the, you know, the, the preview says that she gets caught in a, you know, she says she's going to Paris and she photoshops a bunch of stuff. And then yeah. this is all in the preview you could watch. And then okay. something awful happens in Paris and she has to lie right. and say she was there. Yeah, it's just the worst, the worst awkward awkwardness that I've felt watching a movie in a long time. Maybe since Cha-Cha Real Smooth. <laughs> I was going to say Gaspar Noe's. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> Same thing. Anything. Gaspar knows Cha-Cha Real Smooth. <laughs> he remakes Cha-Cha Real Smooth. This was, this was just the fertile ground for my filmmaking. He's on the, the front porch late at night talking to Dakota Johnson. He just eats her face off. <laughs> I'm glad we, we look. It took us 75 minutes to get to the absurdity, but we we stifled it well for the majority of this episode. But as I always, I don't think we did. I think you have a selective memory. I think we we're off the rails from the jump today. Fair enough. Sometimes <laughs> it's just got to be what it's got to be. But dear listener, as always, what matters most to us are your thoughts. Want to hear from you about the TIFF slate, about the New York Film Festival slate, the sneaky uh, and uncovered uh, Telluride slate that Ann Thompson kind of may have blown the whistle on there as well anything else we talked about in this episode or anything else we do here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns on all those things on our social media. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, dot com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcasts or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you would be so kind as to take 10 seconds out of your day and leave us a five-star review, those truly help us out a ton. Thank you very much to each and every one of you who have done so thus far. Michael, words of wisdom to end on, please, and tell the good people what's coming next from MMO. Well, we'll continue to cover the fall film festivals uh, in terms of the announcements. I'm sure Tiff will announce exactly when we hit, you know, publish on this episode. Absolutely no doubt. (laughs) Anyway, but we'll continue to cover Tiff. I mean, last year they did did the rest of the galas, and then they did the rest of the lineup eventually, New York that lineup is coming, St. Sebastian, everything's coming. So we'll continue to cover that. And I think we want to do some summer Oscar series tie-in, maybe with the movie Slates and uh, hopefully a couple of guests coming up. Uh, and that, that that's the words of wisdom today. It's to support your local film festivals or your regional film festivals. Because after these, you know, these film festivals that are going to be the, you know, the biggies, these movies will travel uh, to, to, to hopefully somewhere close to you where you could... You know, patron, patron, a really awesome film-loving establishment that is not the HFPA, but that will be nonprofit in most cases. And uh, yeah, become a member, become a patron, find a cool restaurant, get a ten-ticket package or a twenty-ticket package, and yeah, it's it's it, it's a you know you're discovering films and you're trying to you're gonna watch some stinkers and some weird ones, but you'll also discover some awesome. You know, some awesome movies and stay for the Q&As and, like I said, explore the area. It's a, it's a good time. I've been having a blast last couple of years since the pandemic. I'm going to remember post-pandemic as the time where I got back out there going to, you know, watch movies, you know, with uh, other people at these festivals. And P.J. Oh, Clark's, basically was, Guinness. Of course, and of course. I'm an alcoholic now. <laughs> Aside from the last two sentences, those were really good, uh, really heartwarming words of wisdom. And the whole time I was just thinking... How do I get AMC to buy my Podunk theater so it can open up again? Because I just I miss True. I miss having that that hole in the wall place. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was very close to where you are. Very close. <laughs> you could basically roll down your hill. Like yeah. you live, everybody, nobody knows this, but like yeah. you're the Grinch <laughs> atop Whoville. Yeah. Correct. You are up there. Correct. You are like there's goats that <laughs> travel mountains that are less less steep. I see gifts of them. And then you're up there. So if you like hmm. Yeah, if you lean, you're going down to the <laughs> movie theater, and that's right. you just walk into a movie. Yeah, that's correct. That's how I've seen the majority of my movies, as a matter of fact, throughout my life. Uh, guys, when reality sucks, you can come get ready for the Oscar sprint with all of these film festivals with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.